the Behind the Seams podcast. I'm your host, Nunzio Signore, looking to bring you great dialogue with some of the best in the world of player development. The world of training baseball players has changed dramatically during the past few years, and I'm looking forward to shedding some light here on what's the latest, what's the best, and what's really happening in the world of player development. Thanks for joining me for the ride. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Before we begin, I want to tell you about our new remote training programs here at RPP. We've been offering remote training for quite some time, but we always required athletes to come in-house for assessments. Now, we can do the whole assessment online, and we're really excited about bringing all of our services, pitching, hitting, and strength training, to your doorstep. So if you like what we do and how we do it, check it out on our website at rocklandpeakperformance.com under remote training in the toolbar. Thanks. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Behind the Seams Podcast. Today we've got Matt Swope, head coach of Maryland. And on June 12th, 2023, Maryland Athletic Director Damon Evans announced that he had hired Swope to be the next head coach for Maryland, replacing Rob Vaughn, who was the head man at Maryland for six seasons. Swope has been working for the team since 2013. He was the director of operations from 2013 to 2017, and then an assistant coach from 2017 to 2022. After gaining experience as an assistant coach, he became the associate head coach from 2022 to 2023, now stepping into the hood coach role. Swope played for Maryland as a four-year starter. The outfielder finished his career with a 331 batting average, 16 home runs, and 135 RBIs. He stands second in program history in runs scored and hits, fifth in walks, seventh in total bases, ninth in RBIs, and tenth in stolen bases. He was born in Maryland. His parents went to Maryland, and I understand were even married in the chapel. Is that Correct. true? That wow. is true. Yeah. Today, today we want to welcome to the show a good old boy from Maryland, head coach Matt Swoop. So, Matt, welcome to the show, and thanks for doing it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh <clears throat> You've been on the inside of this program, it looks like, for over 10 years, starting even as a student athlete. Mm -hmm. um, you've pretty much been in every room in this job's house. So what do you think are some of the advantages that come with that stepping into the head coach role? Yeah, I, I think it's as easy to be authentic and genuine. Uh, you know, I've, I've walked the same classes uh, as a lot of these guys. I know what the steps look like at, you know, a Taws theater, you know, that nobody would even know what that is. Um, you know, I went to high school on Route 1 at the Mathic Catholic High School powerhouse here. Um, I drove on Route 1, which which is right by Maryland, every single day before I went to high school. I've been coming to this school since I was three years old. My dad was in Sigma Chi here. So it, it allows for me to be genuine, authentic in the recruiting process. And and I think uh, it allows you to kind of feel the passion where it's it's not sometimes in this business, it could come off as a little bit of a salesman or a sales pitch per se, everything that, you know, either we're talking about it, we're doing is something that I've lived and has, has been more of a lifestyle for me more than a job. I think that what you just said there is key. Um, guys jump in and out of different organizations so much that I think um, it's almost like, you know, the Rolling Stones. These guys have been a band forever and they stay around forever. And they're one of the greatest rock and roll bands in history because you know what? It's just those guys. It's always yeah. been those guys. And Hiring a head coach, I think, that has been in one program for his, the whole time, I I personally feel like that's just an invaluable thing to have. You know, I just, 
love that. Yeah, for me, I was just, you know, I've I've turned down a lot of jobs. I could have left a lot of times. If if Rob had stayed or Chef had stayed, I'd have been here forever. You know, so it was never for me an option to go to Major League Baseball, which has been opportunities and all that. So I think that helps with just the aura, the culture, the recruiting, uh, the vibe around the program. I think all those things are are super duper important. So that's been really important to me when I came back here 11 years ago. This that we were kind of broken as far as our relationships with the uh, with the alumni and all those different things is is making sure that um, there's something for fans and students and and players and, and alumni to feel that they can invest in something. And that's that's really hard to do in college sports because the volatility of change and all that is, is spe- especially now more than ever, is is always there. So uh, it's definitely an advantage and it's been something good throughout us kind of building this program. You worked a little while with my buddy Corey Mascara. So I did. I did. Yeah. We uh, I, I love that guy. Dude, man, don't you, you want, miss that guy's humor, man? Man, you want to talk about two <laughs> two type A guys, man. I mean, we we had we were so both um type A and and you know, but he he helped me grow and and hopefully I, I had some significance on him and uh his family and and just it it the relationships are what most key from a coaching standpoint or or players. So being exposed to these people during time of growth. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what he's been able to do over there. And um, I want to beat him, but, you know, <laughs> we, we beat him the year before they beat us last year in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, I wish him the best. And, um, you know, that's what it's kind of all about he, is building these relationships. He's such a passionate guy about what he yeah. does. You yeah, know, that's, that's, I've known him for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the key qualities or characteristics that you look for in your players when recruiting for the team? Yeah, Maryland, you got you got to get grinders, and I know that's like kind of a cliche. We don't we don't have the facilities necessarily. We don't have the the pizzazz as a blue blood around this program, but we've been super successful by getting the right people. The Matt Shaws, the the you know the the Luke Schlagers, the um, you know guys like that. Kevin Smith from Upstate New York. You know you got to get the right people, and and that comes with being a competitor. Uh, I've always believed in you, you just you have to be intrinsically motivated. If you're not intrinsically motivated to compete on a day to day basis, you can't play at this level and you can't play at Maryland. So awesome. for me, yeah, Ed. for me, for me, you got to those have got to be two prerequisites. We're Northeast people. We're aggressive. Um, we get after it. Um, that's just kind of our personality. You go to an Orioles game versus the Yankees, <laughs> you're you're going to you're going to have that kind of that rivalry. You go to Boston versus New York, and those are the types of kids we're recruiting from Maryland pretty much all the way up to Connecticut. And that's always been a really good footprint for us. So um, definitely that self-intrinsic, you know, kind of motivation and competition ingrained in who they are. And you're talking about grinders. Um, I I just, I, I have to, I have to talk about this because I did a I did a study maybe ten years ago, and I came down to Maryland, and I I, de- I used Maryland as one of the guys, uh, one of the universities of Division One baseball players, because I knew Corey, and he always was open to learning. And one thing I will say, um, when you're looking for key quality characteristics, uh, as well, this this Monday and Tuesday we went down and we assessed the University of South Carolina, we assessed their entire pitching staff. And much like Maryland, you know, whether it's a Big 10 or a Big 12 or an SEC, um, I noticed that the the quality of, of the strength of your guys, okay, is much different than I see. And even, I probably went and did testing on 10 Division One schools. And 
the different levels of even division one, forget about division one, two, and three, the div- the different levels of division one drastically changed the amount of strength and plyometric ability and size that I saw from the guys from Maryland and University of South Carolina and these higher end division one schools. So when you say grinders, you know, I'm trying to let these younger guys know and these parents that are listening that if you're going to try to go to a school like Maryland and what you're saying is is absolutely true, I will tell you that I what I notice from a from a training standpoint, um, you're dealing with big, strong men at this point. You know what I mean? And I think that yeah. That's a probably a huge thing in your in your you know along with technical ability. I just noticed. Um, yeah. I don't. That's the biggest. That was the biggest thing I noticed between Division One athletes and higher level Division One athletes was the amount of strength in the weight room. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, obviously I've never heard that, but that's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's I, good. <laughs> it's it's oh, it was amazing. Like the biggest aha moments I took away this week were wow, mechanics. You know, great, similar. Mobility, great, similar. The amount of weight that these guys could lift for their size was double what a, what a, what an average Division One school is. And I did it at Maryland too. It was the same thing. So, um, can you can you dis- discuss the importance in your strategy for building a strong and cohesive team culture within the baseball program, especially like you're walking? Okay, you're walking in on day one, and um, you know, on honestly, having a new staff isn't really a isn't in the cards for you because you know everybody. Yeah. So um, when I first developed this question for you, I, I was assuming you were walking in to a new new deck of cards, but you're really not. But how do you change um, your building your culture just from a different job standpoint? Yeah, no, I think my answer is we're not changing it. You know, I, I worked really, really hard with Rob. I mean, Rob Vaughn and I worked together for 11 years and we we worked really hard on our mission statement, which is to be a character and leadership development program that trains people, students, and players to do it better than it's ever been done before. So we we worked really hard on that mission statement and trying to make sure that we're continuing that culture and the way that we recruit these players. Uh, we give homework assignments on the phone calls. The first one is always to go look at that mission and tell me how it makes them feel, not what it is, but how it makes them feel and what they think about it. So we worked really hard with Rob. I don't want that to change. We have our mission and our core pillars. So for me, it's just making sure that we almost have that transition where it's more smooth, where they understand what they're coming into. Um, and because we've all worked really hard on that. And, you know, that's a good part about working for, you know, Chef and, and Rob over the years is we were always on the same page. So I think when there's inclusion and everyone's on the same page, you don't have this huge gap in the transition time because you were so integrated in what you were doing in that mission and your pillars every single day. So it's, you know, we have 30 new guys. I think it's more of, Hey, that's a lot of new guys for a team after losing seven to the draft and seniors is more of, Hey, this fall, maybe the last two years, we haven't had to harp on it as much. You know, we're meeting once a week in the classroom to go over the mission or the pillars or what we need out of the team. So we're just we're putting a little bit more emphasis almost in teaching and making sure they know how important that is, where the Matt Shaws and the Nick LaRusso and the Luke Schligers and the Jason Savicals have have been in the program for so long. They didn't need a lot of that. They were a little bit more player led. We're just we're just kind of helping the new guys along a little bit. But uh, the emphasis is still very much the same as it always has been. 
So by giving these athletes a mission statement and ask them how it makes them feel, you said, mm-hmm. what, uh, what are you looking for? What, what is, what is the object of that? Um, what, why, why are you concerned with how it makes them feel? Yeah, I'm not selling Maryland. I'm selling relationships. Uh, so there's 16 different type of brain types. Uh, everybody has a different personality. My job is to understand how they tick, what drives them, what motivates them. It's not about them doing what I want them to do or, or, or me selling something to them. I need to know what their personality type is, how they take feedback, what is, you know, what motivates them. So then I can communicate and get the most out of them. Um, the era of just coaching a player the same way is over. Uh, there's too many things involved, social media. Uh, yeah. There's all these different things. My job is to coach everybody differently. <laughs> My job is to get the most out of the individual. And everything we do at Maryland is coaching the individual. That's what we've been able to separate our is you come here, you're going to get trained. You're going to get from a technical standpoint, from a weight room standpoint, from a personality standpoint, everybody's different. And we're trying to have each player reach their optimum. So I can only do that if I take the time to understand who they are, their personality, and then coach them accordingly, um, according to that. So being here for this is a, this I'm interested to hear the answer to this question, being here for at, at Maryland for 10 years and and being involved in this. Um, how have you have you, or have you seen the response to how the mission statement makes a young athlete feel? How have you seen that? Has that tra- has that trended to a certain degree to a different way um are you finding more guys are uh, have a little bit harder time expressing how it makes them feel because i do know that when i talk to a lot of coaches um you know you meant the first thing you mentioned was social media and you know kids are kids are used to the you know everything being so immediate the immediacy of everything um it also i think builds a lot of um, you know, problems being socially interactive because you got their face buried in the phone all the time. So have you noticed over the last 10 years when you present these mission statements to the kids, this is opening up a line of conversation with them so you can kind of get in their head a little bit. Um, over the last 10 years, have you seen a, a a drift in that at all? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, yeah, there's been, there's been portions of, you know, Maryland wasn't good when we came back here. Like we just weren't, I mean, we were terrible. Um, you know, so first it's talent, right? So you're just doing whatever you can to change that narrative. So you get talent, you know, but then you have 14 and 15 where you're in regionals, 17 were in a regional, but you start to have now the ebbs and flows where you've been good, but you can't understand why you're not sustaining that. And what I, what we found is, is that when you're just recruiting off talent, you're not always going to necessarily get the right people. You know, they could be talented, but you're not going to get the right people. So you know, a shift, you know, kind of when, when Corey came in and Rob and we all came together in, in, in 18 and 19 was we, we realized we had to go deeper and do more um, from understanding these types of things on top of the talent. So that's really where it came from was, you know, we're giving homework assignments, you know, uh, you know, go watch the Sabins. It takes what it takes video or these other things. And now these conversations are organic and you really get to know them. And to be honest, if they didn't do them, I stopped recruiting them. I didn't care if they were the best player in Maryland. I didn't care if they didn't put the time and effort into doing that. Now, I know those are the kids that may go on the portal or you may have issues with when you're here or they may they may sign at a high school as soon as they can. So what it started to do was it started to spit out Luke Schleiger and Matt Shaw, who, who not only are supremely elite baseball players, but 
elite humans. <laughs> right. They're such great people, uh, people that I love so dearly that that's what it spits out. It's not just a talent. So that was really the transformation in what I've seen of going from talent to talent and getting the right players. Um, and then obviously you're correct. The social media has changed that narrative and how maybe kids are able to talk and what they do. But that's part of it. It's still my job to embrace the change with all that and still get the information or get the feelings I need out of those conversations to make a decision to offer them. So um, we've tried to embrace the change with everything and be out in front of it instead of be combative with everything. If you're not willing to change in this climate in college sports, you're going to get left behind. And that's exactly what I was just going to say. I think it's great that you're not you're not taking like a little old school approach like, hey, I mean, dude, it's my way or the highway. You're, you're taking the time to try and figure these kids out. Um, at me as a father, um, that was my biggest challenge with my daughter was, um, you know, I've been a, an athlete all my life. I've been in sports all my life and dealing with, with a daughter who's playing sports and has a little bit of a, a different way of communicating. Um, it, it took me, you know, I battled it for a little while. It was really like. I, I fought myself. I said I said some things that I honestly should have not said to her. You know what I mean? And to sit here and listen to you say, you know what? We're it, it's we're gonna we have to we have to change the way we look at these kids. Um, I think you know you do have to bend a little bit in order to in order to get the best out of these kids. It also I think not only tells them how they're how how you have to deal with them, but I think those responses to your to your to your uh game plan with them also tells you how they're going to actually interact with their teammates you know yeah yeah no doubt i mean i have i have three kids i have two daughters one that's 12 and and i already know based off her personality that she's just gonna have to figure it out i'm gonna have to let her fail more than what my personality wants to do exactly I that's what i'm I, talking about yeah i know exactly that hey she's just gonna have to kind of learn the hard way because of her personality and it's the same thing with the guys of you know, this guy is someone I can immediately get on on the field, or I need to wait till after practice and pull him aside and say, hey, say this so he can process it and then the next day be better. So um, those you're exactly right. And, and you if if you're not doing that today, you better have supreme talent. And to be honest, at Maryland, we're just not getting the top 500 players in the country consistently. So it's my job to uh, develop them not only as baseball players but as people. So you you better be willing to do that at a place like this, or you're you're not going to have sustainable success. I know, and I think that's that's a great that's a great quality to have, and it's a really great lesson to be learned, even when you're like for parents that are listening right now with their kids. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like if you want to get the best out of your kid and you want to give them the best chance to succeed, sometimes you got to let them figure it out themselves. That was that was an awesome answer. Talking about development, um, what what roles? Do technology play in player development at Maryland? Um, what have you added? What What is your feeling on using tech? Um, how do you balance it out? Um, and you know, speak about that a little bit. What are you using? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you the probably the worst answer you've ever gotten from from a college or a pro coach. I don't use a lot of tech, so um, I, I, we're that's doing not something. necessarily the worst answer. Okay, we're we're just doing something different. Like I, you know, I feel like. A tech is a tool. Um, anything is a tool, right? Like anything, all these things should be integrated into the individual's profile to give you some sort of idea of what they should be doing. Okay. The difference what we do here is, is, you know, we, we, 
we work with motor preferences. So this is something I went to Europe and studied three years ago. Um, and motor preferences is based off the individual. It's based off the, the individual CNS, their brain. Okay. So what biomechanics and forces don't do, it will never trump someone's own individual brain and coordination. Nothing will trump that. So, you know, just telling the, every single person they need to torque in the heel to create force is not going to work for 50% of the population because 50% of the population prefer the weight in the forefeet. So if they prefer the weight in the forefeet, they engage certain muscle chains where the other 50% that may work for that like the weight in their heels and have certain muscle chains. So we've been able to establish 10 to 12 categories, very specific to how they move. And now I can say, hey, a force plate says that this person creates a lot of vertical force. Okay, that's what it should look like because he's quad dominant and prefers the weight in his forefeet and likes his calves. We're not going to try to change that guy, i.e. a Blake Snell, and put him in his back heel and torque him because it creates more force. That will get him hurt. Okay, so we are able to establish what each individual person's motor preferences are. You're talking like DNS, like Franz Bosch, kind of like the Holland, got the Holland baseball players are really into that a lot. Yeah, like way deeper than that too. Yeah, yeah. So um, this assessment, like I said, is all based off one's individual balance, coordination, and brain. So um, how, we, I'm, it, I'm, I'm curious, how are you testing that? Yeah, we, it's just a, it's an hour assessment that we do in-house. Um, you know, I've partnered with a lab in Switzerland that all they've done for the last 15 years is study motor preferences. So I kind of learned from them. Um, uh, you know, we, we work with some other major league players and, and teams and stuff like that, but it's just an individual assessment. And then we're kind of going over there if they possibly have a primitive reflex as well. Um, you know, 40% of adults have a primitive reflex that can take over your motor control, um, which is very, very deep as well. Um, so we're just individualizing training and we're not doing it based off. So I know that's a long-winded answer off tech. Great I'm answer now, though. I'm now able to use maybe what a bias of a supinator, uh, what the arc of a swing would like be like with, you know, maybe a metric like blast or something that tells me. And instead of just looking at attack angle because it tells me it should be something, I know that a supinator like uh, Vlad Jr. or someone like that is going to have more arc as opposed to a pronator. That may be a tick flatter, but I know that's his bias and that's what he should do. So we're fitting the tech and the the answer or kind of like the things that they're providing, even in the weight room to the profile. And now we're just making sure that that profile, um, they're kind of staying and doing what they should be doing. Essentially what it is in motor preferences, I'm I'm training their asymmetrical strengths. We're perfectly imbalanced. I'm not trying to fix an inefficiency or a deficiency. If they've never had pain, it's not a weakness to me. So instead of just saying he's got a lack of IR in his front hip, you know, what if that's a strength? I mean, he's got 599 other muscles in his, his body and, and a brain. Like, what if that's a strength? Not trying to just give that person mobility to open that up because he has poor IR. That could be a strength. I, so, I, I think maybe if he's if he's hitting his marks and his and his and his velo is good and he doesn't have pain, then you don't worry about that IR. But if he isn't, that yeah. might be something that you need to think about. Yeah. And it's just, it, those are all indicators, right? It's it's like right. we're, we're just instead of most of the population of the country is is trying to find a weakness or an efficiency if they've never had pain. We just, I think we need to start thinking differently. We need to be thinking a little bit more holistically. Like, what is his natural output on the field? 
And if it's good and healthy and performant, how can we accentuate that as opposed to fixing things that aren't issues? Because you're not going to change someone. Your brain is self-propelled. How they go to move and walk and run is you're not going to change that. Well, if that's making them, if that's making them efficient at their sport, you don't want to change that. Uh, You might want to give them a little bit of what, of, of what they're not good at, but not change what makes them what they are. That's kind, that's, that's kind of. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think as a, as a, as a society, as a whole in baseball, especially we, we, there's always been a lot of silos, you know, there's been strength and conditioning, there's been PTs, there's been technical coaches, there's been this, there's been that. And, you know, we talk about collaborating and coming together more, but there's still, you know, there's still ways that we can go way more ahead and all be on the same page and making sure that again, we're just, we're just trying to do what's best for the the athletes staying healthy and being performing on the field. It's interesting that you say that because um, we do use tech, but we we do use it in a way that tries to emphasize what you're talking about. Um, we check we check how well they decelerate on their front leg, and you know what? If a guy doesn't decelerate really well on his front leg, but he's throwing great, and maybe he should be landing with his heel on his front foot. You know what I mean? Instead of everybody thinking you need to land flat to create the most deceleration quickly to send it up the chain. Um, if a guy can't do that and he his he he naturally goes to his heel, I'm not going to try to make him land flat and say, hey man, you know, you're gonna be better if you if you land on your heel. But he, he you know, that's when somebody like you're saying might get hurt. If he doesn't have the ability to decelerate on his front leg and you're trying to make him land flat, he's gonna roll off. He's he's gonna he's gonna fall off his left off his side, he's going to injure his knee, all these things. So I'm I'm agreeing with you. I do think you can do that with tech as well. Um, yep. if you don't need it, that's I'm not saying everybody should have it. I'm just asking you. That, no, no, I, I think but what I you're think talking that, about yeah. is technology. What you're no, no, doing is yeah, is heavy I, duty. Yeah, I think the tech is is essential for those things. It's it's to make sure that we're we're aligning with what their body wants to do. You know, it's the same thing as you know, each human being has an extension and flexion leg. You know, there's their lateral laterality of someone. Humans prefer one leg over the other, and not just saying we need to lead leg block to create or transfer force correctly. You don't like Nolan Ryan did not lead leg block. Bartolo Colon did not lead. They had a front flexion leg and and they pitched healthy for over 20 years, both of them. So not just saying everyone has to do this because every time we've done that, Randy Johnson looks nothing like E. Darvish. And Tim Lincecum had terrible mechanics. But Tim Lincecum also had a lot of surgeries, but you know what? Yeah. I don't think he's going to trade that for anything in the world. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, I just, like I said, it's just, we can't bucket guys. We just right. can't. Especially can't. outliers, especially yeah, outliers. Can't. These guys are outliers. Yeah. <laughs> Nolan Ryan, Tom Seaver, these guys, yeah. Yeah. they're outliers. Yeah. So it's more about let's keep an open mind and, 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 and understanding what, what's going to be best for this person. And are they performing? Not necessarily, Hey, let's, all do- okay, I guess here's another thing that I when I talk to major league teams or people, why, why is there more injury than ever? Why is why we have more data, we have more specialists, we have more whatever. Why is there more injuries than ever before? And so I, we can- I, I have a I think I have a, a a part of that answer. Okay. I think because we're getting so deep into the weeds of human performance that we're 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 getting we're creating um we're creating athletes that are actually starting to torque themselves they're actually starting to blow themselves out 
They're actually doing things that the body was not meant to do and isn't built to do. That's what I think. Yeah. and I, But I think that comes with <laughs> messing with that person's own brain's body coordination. And I agree. I, I agree yeah. 100%. And that's that's putting people in positions exactly what you just said, that they're not supposed to be in just because they're stronger or creating more force. Or we know that that's what's happening. Right. But is it not within their limitations or what they should be doing? So I totally agree. Exactly. That's where that, you know, yeah. are, are they hitting the marks? Yeah. Is, are they where they want to be velo wise? And are they experiencing pain? Yeah. I think they have to ch check all those boxes. Yeah. That was great. That was a, that was a great answer, man. Um, can you talk a bit about how you instill a great work ethic in many of this generation's athletes? We just talked about social media. We talked about, um, you know, what you see when you're interviewing guys, when you give guys a game plan, what their response is. Okay, now you've got them in your house and you've got a guy who maybe doesn't possess enough resilience to have a grasp on that concept of making sacrifices to get better. Um, you know, he's with you now. Okay, how are you dealing with this individual? Yeah, I think your culture has to set the tone then. I mean, what you've worked so hard to get it to this point, and this is why you kind of have leaders and older guys is to kind of show the way. I don't know. And and again, I don't know if this is the answer you want to hear. I just, I don't know what you, you can't, I don't know if you can change someone to be a competitor and 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 have that intrinsic motivation we spoke of earlier to to just change that. What we try to do is I think the more things you expose them to that are positive, right? Guys um, that are older that have been here to, to so they can lean on. Uh, you bring in speakers. Uh, we meditate three minutes before every single day, and you and you're working on the mental game. You nutrition. You start to integrate and expose them to all these different things. You hope that changes it, but at the end of the day, it's got to come from that individual. You know, um, we have a pro group that hits here. You know, when they're done the season, you'll have three or four major leaguers that are hitting here every single day. Um, if if they they can't get motivated by seeing those things along with the culture that you've set and all you're exposing them to, uh, that's what's tough. I, you know, it's the one thing I think every coach would wish that they had the ability to to have that magic pill or, or switch to make them a certain way. But you know, we're always trying to figure out how to to get the most out of our athletes. And I still think it comes back to what you're doing in the recruiting process, how you're treating them personally. And, and, and are you, what personal investment are you putting into your players? Um, it, is it, is it a personal investment in a, in a relationship where, you know, I want, I want the players to be able to, to go out to dinner with their families in 15 years, whether they were a lawyer, or a, you know, a police officer or a major league baseball players, not just the good ones. So, you're hoping through that personal investment, uh, you're, you're helping them reach that potential, but uh, I'm not sure if that's always the case right now. And I think it's important. That's why you do the homework first. You know what I mean? Yep. When you bring a guy in, because you kind of bring a guy in. And if you did bring a guy in and you misread it wrong, like you said, it's really hard to change that, that, it, that competitive, that, that guy that wants that competitive edge. Yeah. And sometimes you, sometimes you do do it right. And they, they still leave through the portal. I mean, obviously it's a, that's a Pandora's box right now. That's a hot topic is, is, you know, we're bringing guys in, but we're also losing guys. And I think everybody in the country you're seeing, you know, you talked about wake, but you know, they got, they got a guy from, um, from Tennessee, you know, that goes there. So it, it can happen to anybody. And I think there's, there's a lot of volatility with that right now that we're all trying to figure out, but 
I didn't have any worry about Matt Shaw, Luke Schlager, Nick LaRusso ever leaving me. And it was right. because of that stuff on the front end. So you're exactly right. I think that's that's the way to to mitigate it the best you can, but it's an imperfect science. That's really my uh what I I when I do these podcasts, I try to pull a couple things out of every everybody that I interview because I interview a lot of really what I who I try to pick that I think have a lot to offer. You know, and the two things that I just pulled out of this was A, um, I'm gonna pick your brain about the guy in Switzerland that's doing testing with you because that's 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 very similar to the to the the DNS that I do and um the Franz Bosch related stuff that I do. But that that and also, you know, uh building a bigger character reference than I even thought you needed on the front end. So that's there are two things that I really pulled about that. Um, when you're talking about the portal and you're talking about, you know, losing guys and everybody jumping ship and who's doing this and who's doing what and the volatile situation, can you talk a little bit about changes that young athletes who might not be quite aware of it as much can expect on the recruiting front, given the new rules? Yeah, I think it's just going to be later. Uh, I think everything, and I'm so thankful for it, just me personally, uh, I don't care what any other school did. I, I was sick to my stomach talking to, to eighth and ninth graders. It's yeah. not right. I'm, it I'm not seem, a fan. Yeah. It's not right. It's not a fan of it, but it's also my job. You know, so if there's the best player in Maryland and, you know, these schools are talking to them, it's also my job to to be in the know and, and start that. So I hated it. I'm so thankful that they changed it. It was necessary. Uh, it was the right thing to do. And now it's going to kind of create some patience, I think, within the athlete. Um, Which is important. No, yeah, there's no way. I mean, when I was in ninth grade going to DeMatha, I was wearing a, a suit and tie every day, you know, trying to find out where I was going to class. And now guys are having recruiting talks before they play a varsity baseball game. I, I'm just not a fan of that. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um and I think it's going to translate into patience because with that August one date of junior year, it just it just it's going to be a little bit different. And I think the portal has also created that a little bit. So kids are going to make better decisions. They're going to be in better fits. Uh, maybe you won't see as many transfers as we've seen the last couple of years in the portal um, once the grad year ends. So I'm hoping that the changes are are for the good. Um, cause I know on August 1st, if, if I send a text or I'm, I'm reaching out to talk to people, um, if their only goal is to go to LSU, then they'll kind of weed themselves out and, and do that, you know? So it's, I can't look at it as a, how is that going to not benefit me? I have to look at it from a perspective of, you know, what's, what's actually happening. So I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping for the best, of course. And I think it's just going to have everybody slow down, which is great for the parents. Um, and and ultimately what's best for the kid. I, I think that it's already happening. And I can tell you, uh, I can tell you a little bit from me being in the private sector. Um, I'm, my business has been now tenfold uh, with younger athletes coming in to get in better shape and become better athletes. Cause, and it happened as soon as they shut that down. Now that now now people now these thirteen and fourteen year olds they they have no option but to actually they're they're not trying to sell at this point anymore because they can't so they 
they have to get in the gym and just yeah. just go out and play sports and just go out and be a kid and get strong and become athletic at this point instead of running around trying to talk to a coach like i i agree with you 100% this was leaving this was leaving so much on the table um for for people trying to feel like they have to be ready at such a young age that development was stopping development was starting to like cease and now they're kind of like they got kicked out of the locker room for a couple of years. You know what I mean? And now they have to go. They want to get in, get strong, get more athletic, work on your craft. You know? Yeah, yeah I agree. It's it's been a great thing, and we're we we've created this niche where that's all we do is is talk about development. So it's it's much better for us to to kind of be a little bit more patient and do that. So I think it's hopefully it's a good thing for the whole for the whole industry. And lastly, I got one more question for you. What message would you like to send to the Maryland University baseball fans? as you embark on this new chapter as head coach? Oh, just, just thank you so much for the support. And, you know, what we've built is just, you know, I talk about sustainability a lot. That's where we're trying to get to is sustainability. You know, we've been to three straight regionals, back-to-back Big Ten championships is sustainability. And that comes from um, support. Um, and and that comes from tradition. And, and we're, we were behind. And I think we've done a really good job at building those traditions more so over the past 10 years. So for me, it's just how can we get to a point program-wise where it's sustainable? Um, we don't have these ebbs and flows based off whatever excuse or whatever it is. So um, it's it's been great to um, fulfill a lifelong dream for me to be here um, with the people that I love, with, with the, a place that I love, um, and with a place that shaped who I am as a person. So I'm just thankful to be put in this position and it's still baseball. And what could be better than that? Just to, to go to work every day and, and coach baseball and be around the game that I love. Awesome, man. We've been talking to the new head coach of Maryland, Matt Swope and Matt, how can, how can um, people reach you on social media? Yeah, I have a couple of accounts, but uh, Matt Swope 19 is on Twitter. Uh, it's the same thing on Instagram. I also have a uh, Maryland made hitting uh, page that's on Twitter and Instagram that I, I build as an assistant and maybe see some of the pro guys that we work with or other clients that we have that come in and hit with me in the offseason that maybe didn't didn't go to Maryland. But uh, we've kind of created this niche when it comes to that. So uh, a couple of accounts you can kind of see. I, I like those because uh I try to give you guys an insight on what actually happens day to day and not be kind of, I want to show and expose as much as I can and all learn from each other. So those are, those are some good accounts to kind of see the day to day and kind of how we do things. Awesome. And you can reach me at, at Nunzio Signore on Twitter. Uh, my facility is at RPP underscore baseball on both Twitter and Instagram. The website is rocklandpeakperformance.com. And I've got a book out on velocity-based training, how to apply science, technology, and data to maximize performance that's released by Human Kinetics. It's also available on Amazon. And uh, I'd like to thank Matt. Matt, thanks so much for being on. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Awesome. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Behind the Seams podcast. Have a great day.